What's up, Beardos? You're listening to episode 113 of The Bearded Vegans. Basically, our whole philosophy boils down to you. don't be a jerk. Don't really answer your question first. I'm not answering your question. I really hope people didn't tune in to hear us talk about beards. Beard, beard, beard. What about beards? Welcome to the show. I'm Paul. And I'm Andy. And we are the Bearded Vegans, a podcast featuring a dissection of all things vegan. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at thebeardedvegans.com. And you can always reach us by emailing thebeardedvegans at gmail.com. In today's episode, we kick off our winter break retro film review series with an in-depth review of Bold Native. Paul, we've been teasing this for so long that we're going to start doing some retro reviews of older films that aren't super current. And we're finally making it happen. Making it happen. And the, the occasion for this is that we are going on a little bit of a winter break. Last year for December, we decided we are just taking it off entirely because we're getting a little burnt out. We mm-hmm. need a little time to relax and recoup. Mm-hmm. But uh, we didn't, we didn't want to leave all the beautiful beardos hanging for this whole time. So instead, we are pre-recording a series of all these retro film reviews. So today we're going to be doing Bold Native. And if you want to study up ahead of time the the films that will be coming up, next week we'll be doing If a Tree Falls, and then Speciesism, and Peaceable Kingdom, and wrapping it up with the granddaddy, (laughs) the one that we keep saying we got to review at some point. Forks over knives. Cannot wait to rewatch that movie. Yes. So, <laughs> was that serious? Yeah. No. I, I, I like we've talked about this so many times before, where it's like it, where it would be interesting to go back and see if we feel the same after seeing this plethora of other health movies that to, to me see, all seem like forks over knives kind of ripoffs in yeah. some senses. So it would be nice to go back to the source, the granddaddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm excited for that one. I think it should be interesting. And so that will bring us all the way up through uh, January 31st will be the next original regularly scheduled beard vegans program. So if this is your first time listening, this is not indicative of a normal episode. We hope that you do enjoy it regardless, but this is not the typical format. But anyway, Paul, yes, Andy. with that said, let's get into our review of Bold Native. My name is Charlie Cranehill. You'll read about me in the news. See pictures of me with the word terrorist after my name. All your talk of animal liberation and how it's like the civil rights movement or women's suffrage or slavery. Okay. Are you willing to break the law with me? There are some people here to see you with pages. Really? We're here about Charlie. Do you know where he is? You ever heard of the Bold Native? Bold Native is an alias used by a terrorist group responsible for a series of attacks costing almost a million dollars. Terrorist attacks? We would like to end our protests, and as I'm sure you'd like to see them end as well, I'm hoping we can find some common ground. The only change that has ever been made is when someone spoke up. He is speaking up. When do you ask for what you want? I can't panic because they need help now. What is alleged here by the government is that your son engaged in arson, vandalism, and theft dealing with animal enterprises. That comes squarely within the four corners of the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act. Your son could face life imprisonment. Right now I know. All right, so as we normally do for our film reviews, we will be having a general thought section that we're going to try and keep relatively spoiler-free. This is actually a narrative film with a plot, so it is one that can be spoiled, unlike a lot of the documentaries that we watch. Mm -hmm. And then we'll be moving on into our spoiler-full section. But to start off, I'm going to read the plot synopsis from IMDb. 
Charlie Cranehill, an animal liberator wanted for domestic terrorism, emerges from the underground to coordinate a nationwide action as his estranged CEO father tries to find him before the FBI does. <laughs> exciting. Yeah, it is. It is. It's kind of exciting. I mean, compared to the oh, usual, yeah. like, T. Colin Campbell just spouting off his, <laughs> like, just sleepwalking his way through a documentary. <laughs> It definitely has the promise of being yes. more exciting. And so this film is directed by Dennis Henry Henley, and it stars people such as Joaquin Pastor, Sheila... So close. <laughs> yeah, no, so close. <laughs> couldn't, get, couldn't get that Phoenix. Uh, Joaquin Pastor, Sheila Vand, Matt Shea, Tanya Kay, and just such a great name, Rudolph Mantooth. <laughs> Playing the titular, not the titular at all. <laughs> Titular bull <laughs> playing that CEO father from the uh, description. So this film came out in 2010. I actually went and saw a screening of it where I believe one of the producers hmm. and I think Andy Stepanian, who was a member of the Shack Seven, who served time in prison for amelioration. I'm pretty sure that was the lineup. There may have been one or two other people on the panel. So I have not seen it since, and mm-hmm. I was. I was the, the films that we're choosing for this series are ones that we've sort of alternately picked and some that we like, some that we knew we didn't like, some we wanted to revisit mm-hmm. and see. This is a film that I, I remember being a little lukewarm on yeah. back then. So I was curious to revisit it. Paul, had you seen this film before? I have not. I had not. You had not. You still haven't seen it. You're <laughs> <laughs> just gonna make some yeah. some guesses. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, essentially this plot follows Charlie Cranehill and it's it's almost like a road movie. It's getting the getting the gang together yeah, kind of kind film of. <laughs> sort of and, and we're like going in and checking in with the gang yeah. and then leaving them and uh so it, it features all these actors that is mentioned it also features a whole slew of faces that might be familiar to those that are in the animal activism scene people that are involved with direct action so they actually have like people that have engaged in these activities mm-hmm. and people that have worked behind the scenes legally for them also features uh john feldman from goldfinger and the singer from foxy <laughs> yeah, jam well, i think i think Maybe the it was band. the whole band yeah, yeah. when i saw him i was like is that that guy from foxy Shazam? <laughs> yeah where's macklemore <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know this isn't a spoiler i don't think i saw in the because in the credits there was a lot of like this person playing himself this person playing herself there was someone named shine do you know who that is he was yeah. the he was the producer that was in this the oh, studio okay. with Foxy Shazam. It was definitely a lot of people. It was definitely a lot of people that were introduced as if it was a cameo, and me being like, "Is that a famous person that I should know who that is?" Because <laughs> then you never see them ever again. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of an interesting aspect of this, and I think that maybe can something that we love to ask with this: Who is this film for? Mm-hmm. Was the purpose of this film? Perhaps that is a little breadcrumb that's been given to us to help decipher who yeah. this film is actually for. We'll get into that more as we go along. And yeah, so this this film, it follows Charlie as he's going around getting people on board with this massive action that's about to take place. And then there's also this parallel story of Charlie's CEO father, the played by Rudolph Mantooth, <laughs> Mr. Mantooth, uh, <laughs> who... Always looks like he's staring directly into the sun, no matter where he's looking. They're like pursed lips and squinty eyes, no matter where he's looking. He is like, I think he's great in this film, but I think he's he's like, I'm trying to explain this as concisely as possible. If there's a film 
And in the film, they have to make a fake TV show about a bad, shitty dad. <laughs> he would be the stereotypical guy that is playing that <laughs> shitty dad. Like, he's just too too perfect for this role, yeah. I think. So, yeah, I don't know. So, anyway, let's, let's get into it, Paul. Mm-hmm. So, this is a narrative film. It has a plot. It, in theory, per- maybe has some character arcs, character development, possibly. Yeah. What was your overall feelings on this film? I think I was also, in general, lukewarm about the film as a whole. As as a narrative, I didn't think it was super enthralling or necessarily like some of the characters made choices that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, things didn't really seem to fall in place. But Are you hinting at the dad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that more in spoilers. But... I, I appreciate what they were trying to do, and I was I don't think this is a spoiler, and and I feel like you should go into this this movie knowing it, knowing it, you could probably guess it, seeing as what it's about. But they use some real footage from farms and from slaughterhouses, and I thought that that was an interesting it was an interesting way to 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 intersplice. The, what is happening in the real world with what this movie, what this fictional movie is about. And I did even, it took me, it took me by surprise. And I will say I haven't watched graphic slaughterhouse footage or anything like that in a while. So it was kind of like, Ooh, this is, it was not a good surprise, mm-hmm. but I think for, and maybe we'll talk about this later for who this film is for, if it might be, shown to a non-vegan you know i think that that aspect of it would be important to help you empathize with the characters or to understand their motives a little bit better so i get why they did it 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 took me by surprise i i i would guess they kind of had to do it that way because you know you would hope that they didn't hurt any animals in the making of this movie which they said at the end that they didn't but I don't know how they would have gotten shown those sorts of scenes without hurting animals. So it makes sense that they put those shots in. Yeah. And there is animal use in this film. Like there Mm -hmm. are animals that are on screen that are not this pre-shot, but obviously they're, it's just like a dog Mm -hmm. hanging out, something like that, which, which part of me was like, even that is still animal use. Well, Andy, those animals get a lot of... They get credits at the end of the movie, and they have some great names. Do you remember? Uh, I can look it up. All right. Can you look it up? It's on It's on YouTube, the The movie. I just don't want to disturb this. I feel like it's too much work to do. Okay. But, but I would say stay for the stay through the credits. It's at the end, and, and it lists all the animals, and there's quite a few because there are scenes, not to spoil anything, but there are scenes that have people with animals and even if it's just for a split second they still give those animals the credit and it'll be like goats bubbles chomper and ryan the goat (laughs) and uh (laughs) professor jigglypuff (laughs) (laughs) so so there but from that there are quite a few animals because like you said there are a couple main animals there's a pig that's that's kind of prominent in one of the scenes and then there's the dog and those are the only animals that I can think of that were maybe in more than one shot. But then there's a lot of other kind of single shots. And so there were, I would say, a couple dozen animals used in total at some in some regard. I would, yeah. I would guess they just went to an animal sanctuary, shot the 10 seconds of footage that they needed, and then left. 
That's what I would guess. But do you think that goes counter to the message of the film by using these animals in the film? Um, I don't think so because I think the. I'm just assuming that that's what they did. I think that there are, you know, they. It would have been weird to be a movie about animals that didn't have any footage of animals in it. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Yeah, from the, you know how IMDb sometimes has little like factoids about the film and mm-hmm. they had one about that and it said for the animal actors traditional methods of filming animals such as using trainers were not used. People that knew the animals personally were on set. Aww. So their people were there. So yeah. 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 yeah I mean I, I feel like on some level it, it runs counter to the message, but it, it it for me it's kind of hard to be upset about it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's almost like we're just is it any different than me taking like a, an Instagram story of a dog that's hanging out? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's just dogs that are hanging out that they're doing this with, I don't know. I mean, the pig was a little more. There's also one one shot when they're at the beach where a dog just kind of walks up to the person, and, and part of me was like, did that dog just just walk into the shot and <laughs> and they kept it in there? Is that a union dog? <laughs> Get that dog out of the frame. <laughs> uh, anyway. So that that was a tangent. <laughs> that was a tangent. So my general thoughts is that I I would be interested to see what someone that's not in this movement or someone that is not vegan would think about this movie because part of me thinks that they did not portray the characters sympathetic enough for some people to have empathy towards them which I feel like you need to have if you're if you're trying to get people on board with the message that those characters are Trying to get across. You're talking about whiny man baby Charlie Cranehill? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he. That was actually, I think, probably one of my biggest issues with the film was the fact that this main character that we're supposed to sympathize with is not particularly likable. Yeah. And it's not like he's doing all this horrible stuff all the time, but he just, I don't know, he just feels kind of entitled and it, it just... Which one of the other characters even says to him. Yeah. He says, like, you're getting an ego. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, that... F- and, and you know, of course, you don't want a film where it's... I mean, this film clearly has an agenda. Like, it, it's, <laughs> it's wearing that agenda on its sleeve right away. So it's not like it's, like, a subtle, trying to sneak, it, sneak in the message type of film. So I guess if the main character was entirely likable and flawless, that people would say, well, that's unrealistic and you're just trying to paint these liberators in this super like amazing light. But it's like you want to have interesting characters that are likable but flawed and especially I feel like if they're trying to get a a particular message across because some of this film is about the back and forth about various types of tactics Mm -hmm. and shows things that are, um, yeah, I'm saying this in air quotes, extreme things that are less extreme than what this the main character is trying to do and things that are more extreme than what these main characters are trying to do. Mm, that's true. And I feel like they could have also transposed that over to this character as well, that this character, like that these issues are not black and white. And I don't know, I just feel like the character wasn't nuanced. Maybe it's just the actor that they chose. I don't want to crap on this guy. Yeah. Like I thought, I thought all the acting was fine. And the the whole film is clearly incredibly low budget, but I, I feel like for for the amount of money that they had, which from the interviews I've read is incredibly little, I thought they they wrung a lot out of it. Yeah. Like I thought it was, you know, it's no, it's no National Geographic money, right? <laughs> but they definitely put together a film that is 
watchable. Yeah. Which I guess that's like the lowest possible bar. <laughs> but it, it's like watchable. I, I didn't sit there like laughing at the bad camera work or anything like that. It's a specific style. It's very handheld. It's almost documentary style. But given the budget, I think that that worked well with it. You know, it's not my preferred style of camera work, but it certainly it got the job done. And that's just that's more of like a personal preference than anything like the film did poorly. But yeah, I feel like the the main actor that they chose for this didn't carry the like sympathy that you would really want for this character to have. It's funny you said that part of part of it feels like a documentary because there was one part in the very beginning. It, the, the beginning opens up like a narrative, and I'm, and I already knew that this was a narrative. So, but there's another scene, right at the beginning too, where they're, like, piecing together footage, and that just that totally feels like a documentary. And for a second, I was like, because they are showing. First of all, they are showing real footage too, and it, and it it feels like, and this is to the actor's credit, it feels like the genuine reaction of these actors they're having while they're watching this footage. So that part felt so much like a documentary that for a second I thought to myself, wait, is this a documentary? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they did some interesting blurring of reality and not reality Mm -hmm. uh, because they show footage of liberation. But it's it's like footage I've seen in documentaries before. So it's not I'm like, okay, this is not new footage that they shot. But then they kind of act like it's stuff that the characters in the film did. And that 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 I thought actually was. That I thought was done well. I don't know if it's necessarily the best technique for the film, but they definitely like spliced it together in a very believable way. Yeah, no, definitely. So I thought that, yeah, overall, I didn't love the characters. I didn't care about them. I didn't really care about anything that happened. The film jumps right in to the point when I was like, uh, is this a weird cut of this like is because originally i was gonna watch it on youtube but then there was a link that said hey you can actually watch it full hd at boldnative.com which is what i did so I was like there's no way they're not showing me the full version of this film but I, I feel like there's the only way to describe the first 15 20 minutes or so is clumsy like it to me it just it was just like vomiting out all this stuff and it just didn't quite you know they're doing this non-linear timeline thing and confusing <laughs> yeah it was it was hard to follow along and i don't feel like the nonlinear timeline added anything it didn't it's not like when things stepped in a place and you realized where certain things were taking place in time that you went oh that's really cool it was just like okay finally i realized in what point of the timeline these yeah. things are happening and now i'm glad that i'm less confused and the the, the beginning was especially egregious in that error and also that's the time when you expect them to really establish these characters. And I guess you get a little bit of Charlie Cranehill with his like really just cringeworthy prose of like, they say freedom isn't free. Absolutely goddamn right. Like just <laughs> stuff like that. You're like, oh God, like just rolling my eyes yeah. in my head. And that's like your introduction to this guy. He kind of reminded me of the guy from Into the Wild, um, Christopher McCandless, McCandles where it's this guy that's like espousing all this stuff, but anti-society rhetoric, but you just sort of get the feeling that he's kind of this spoiled entitled like <laughs> brat kind of guy. That's the same vibe that I got from this kid that he was kind of unaware of his privilege and, and he thinks he's doing this great thing for the world. And that, you know, whether or not that is actually the case, that's the vibe that I got for him right away. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I feel like I've seen this guy so many times before in this <laughs> movement that I was kind of immediately put off. And then you spend a lot of the film with him and um, 
his partner and then this new guy that they pick up, which is another real weird real move. Real weird. Real weird move. We're talking about that in spoilers, I guess. But you are supposed to be on this like road trip with them and like enjoy spending time with them, but you don't really get to know them, especially early on. And it's just one of those things where the film's like, Oh, of course you like these people because they're the main characters. Mm -hmm. And it it takes for granted that the film doesn't really earn you liking them or particularly caring what actually happens to them. So I feel like it was a a missed opportunity in that regard that it feels like there should have been another 15 minutes in this film. I know that's poison for you, Paul, but (laughs) it feels like there should be another 15 minutes of character development, or perhaps they could have taken out some of the really awkward exposition where they're like explaining. Because that's the other thing about this film is there's all these times when they're really explaining what happens to the baby chicks and they're explaining what Mm -hmm. happens in the milk industry and they're explaining what the animal entertainment and they're explaining what the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act is in a really awkward way. Like, it's really shoehorned. It doesn't feel genuine. Yeah, it's really shoehorned in there. And I'm like, ah, if they could cut that stuff out and then given us some genuine character moments, then maybe that would have been more interesting. But because of that, it was hard for me to really care about what happened to them. The I thought the dad's journey was more interesting. Oh, yeah. It was definitely more interesting. Yeah. And... I almost wish we got more of that because he he makes turns that I was like, I don't know if the film really earned this as well. So overall, if this film is is for people that aren't vegan to understand veganism or what why people would liberate animals more specifically, I don't know if this would grab someone that wasn't already in on this movement. As someone who's in on this movement and has seen a lot of the conversations in this film play out before... It was interesting to see that put to film and try to discern what their particular point of view was. But I don't, to me, it's not the film that I would show to someone because I think they would be like, I am being preached at. I'm being hit over the head with a specific message right now. And it's clear that the narrative is taking a backseat to this message that they're trying to get out. I might be wrong in that, but that's that's what I think people would feel. I also think that if you're not already on board with this type of activism as a non-vegan if you're not already on board with it you probably have not just a, a neutral position towards it but you probably have a slightly negative i would i would imagine most people that that this isn't on their radar when they hear about this sort of things they are probably disfavorable towards it that's what i'm just gonna guess so i don't think that the movie paints them in a positive enough light that they would change their mind about i think that they might leave it they might leave the movie being thinking okay i kind of get why they do this but i still don't agree i still don't agree with it yeah so i don't know yeah i feel like maybe we'll we'll leave our general thoughts there and then because we're talking around all these things yeah yeah so so that's bold native you can go see it for free at boldnative.com if you if you've listened this far and you haven't checked it (laughs) out yet as someone who is generally curious about the media that this movement puts out, I think it's worth a watch. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's not an activism tool. It's not something that I'm going to say, everyone needs to go see this film. I was reading through some of the reviews on Amazon. There's not a ton, but they're all four and five stars. And they're all like, this is so important. It's the same thing we see whenever any movie comes out, any vegan movie comes out. And there's not a lot of critique around it and people are like this is such an important film everyone needs to see it i don't feel that way about this one it's also not boring though so it's not like you're gonna you're gonna force yourself to sit through an hour and 20 minutes of nonsense yeah yeah and 
for for all the the negative talk that we've just done about this film, like I said, it's fairly well put together. It looks good. They did a lot with their budget. The acting is fine. It's an interesting film, but it as far as the subject matter that they're dealing with, it was actually to me it was kind of lackluster. I, I think about that book Free the Animals, which was written by Ingrid Newkirk, but it was about someone else and their story of becoming an animal liberator. And it reads like the most fascinating thriller ever. And I always thought this should be a film because this is there's just so much tension and and you're looking over your shoulder and you're you know trying to not get caught and all these things that lend themselves to this really amazing cinematic experience. And that wasn't really present in this film at all. I believe you used the term watchable, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was able to watch it. So yeah, it's it's. You know, I'm, I want someone to come along and make a much better film about this subject matter. Some some might argue that Oakjaw was that film, yeah. but obviously this is this would be like if Oakjaw was strictly about the the Stephen Yoon and the Paul Dano and like that whole crew. Mm-hmm. If it was just about them, that's what this film would have been. Yeah. And maybe that will happen. Maybe it will. There was that post credit oh, yeah, 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 yeah. uh, scene that was kind of yes. referencing that. Yes. Well, we can only hope. So I guess do you have anything else to say? Nope. So with that said, let's move on into spoilers for Bold Native starting right now. Hey, hey, come on, come on. I haven't seen it yet. It doesn't have anything to do with the plot. Still, still, I like to go in fresh. Charlie. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's start with what's his name? Car- Carl. 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 <laughs> well, spelled with a K. Carl. <laughs> Let's start with Carl and his being brought into the fold in this film. How did you feel about that? I thought, like, the person I was watching it with, we just kind of looked at each other and were like, that was a weird scene. And that is something that, like, one, did not paint Charlie in a good light at all. Two, doesn't seem like something that would really ever happen in real life. And three, I think, going along those lines, it, it painted an unrealistic portrayal of how quickly someone would change their ethics or their mind about something and they kind of and i also think they justify it in a shitty way by him basically saying like oh i was gonna i was gonna kill myself tonight so instead i'll just i'll just join i'll just join your your the thing that you're gonna do even though you literally just (laughs) took me hostage and were blackmailing me essentially yeah, that was definitely a weird turn, that conversation. Yeah, it was just very quickly like, no, 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 okay, yeah, take me with you kind of thing. And I guess they justify it by him saying that he's vegetarian. But he's also, for someone that worked on an egg campaign, incredibly unaware of how eggs are produced. <laughs> and like honestly, for for the most part, until the very end where Carl actually had a, a specific purpose to serve, which which, which was until the end when he has specific purpose to serve where he is saying he he's kind of this mouthpiece in the media but up until then he's just kind of this exposition machine like he's just there to be talked at as a surrogate for the audience so the audience can understand all of these issues that are going on and i'm just like how how is he this unaware of everything that happens and obviously there are a lot of vegetarians that don't know about eggs and how they're produced or how milk is uh, obtained from cows stolen from cows so I, I get that, but then just the way that it is so, I don't know if there's a vegan way to say this, ham-fisted. Like, <laughs> it's just so so clumsy, the way that they handle that. And it just made me think, 
this this is like one of the worst examples of how someone could try and pull off one of these actions. <laughs> I feel like like time and time again, and there is a character in the film who's actually played by an activist who actually spent time in prison for being caught for this stuff. That's saying like you're not going about this well. You're not practicing good security culture because they're just prancing all around the country <laughs> and just jumping into barber studios and like auto mechanic shops and just telling everyone out in the open what their plan is. Yeah. There's all these clients sitting there in the barber <laughs> shop. You know, you can't trust everybody and they're trusting Carl and it's just like the worst way to do all this stuff. And I mean, in the beginning of the film, they point to a lot of the ways, like often the ways people do get caught with these actions it's not because the FBI was so amazing. It's because they get someone to talk and they will leverage a relationship that someone had that went sour. And it seems like that's that's how um, Charlie, 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 <laughs> that's how Charlie got caught in the beginning was this other guy that didn't like him because he thought he was sleeping with his partner or whatever. Yeah. And that that is realistic. That is what happens there. But it just feels like you don't bring in people that you don't trust with your life that you wouldn't trust to talk. And they're just bringing in this guy that profits massively off of an egg campaign. He got $82,000 from that. And, and it feels like they don't really vet him that hard. They're just like, yeah. And like the, the first night they're sleeping in a tent and he's sleeping in the car and he can just take the car and leave. (laughs) I don't know. They, they probably have the keys, whatever, but there's just so much could go wrong with that. Like you feel like there would be more distrust in the beginning and it just felt so unrealistic. It felt like such a bad move to bring him on board. Yeah. And, but, and again, not only for the characters, but just, it wasn't realistic in, in real life. Like people don't, I don't know. I just feel like people don't change like that, especially if they're literally tied to a chair Yeah, and, and being threatened and extorted it, it just doesn't uh like that doesn't really happen and and i feel like that it was, it was just such a weird choice to make that be the thing that changes his mind like i i wish it was almost charlie just confronts him and ex- charlie should have i feel like confronted him showed him the information without <laughs> kidnapping him yeah and and he could have had a change of heart and i still would have been like I think that's unrealistic at, at how fast he maybe changed his mind, given what he probably already knows. But that still would have been better to me than having Charlie do something that, that was like real, real weird. Yeah. Yeah. It it just felt so unearned. I will say, though, I thought I did enjoy Carl's on-screen presence. Oh, yeah. No, he was my favorite character. I think. He, you know, when he's just like yelling at people out the, <laughs> the van. And uh, one of my favorite lines was when they're all getting tattoos. And he doesn't want to get them. He's like, I'll be the guy that doesn't have one. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's his thing. Uh, he just had a couple of really good lines. D- did you get the feeling like when they were when they were when he was shouting out the window at people, did you get the feeling that they were trying to make parallels between like, Oh, he's finally free because now he's on the, he's on this mission. He's harassing people on the street, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like he wasn't happy before because he was like a gay man that w- wasn't able to tell his parents about it. And he was lying to his partner about it. And now he's been freed. Did you get, I feel like they I, were trying I to make parallels the, with that. I, I certainly thought that's what they were trying to say with that whole thing. And I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Charlie literally says that yeah. to him at one point. He's like, "What's the, I don't know. I don't remember what he says exactly. Thank but. God for the straight white guy to yeah. liberate the gay man. <laughs> yeah. But so that was also, I felt like that was also weird. Also weird that he just leaves his entire life behind in one, one day. Yeah. 
but you know yeah didn't like that scene yeah it it, i found myself laughing out loud at a few points in the film and it was usually because of him it was sometimes because of the interactions the father was having with (laughs) irock irock my favorite part was when irock paints an eye on a rock (laughs) it's an irock and also the dad's the dad's like we're gonna get arrested and i was like I don't think you can get arrested for spray painting a rock. <laughs> yeah. Like the cop would be like, don't do that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, also, when when the dad and Iraq are traveling in that same... This is another thing that you were kind of mentioning before. The, the timing of the movie seems weird. In I don't I don't remember where they were even going, uh, the dad and Iraq. But in that time, Charlie travels across the United <laughs> States multiple times. Okay, yes. All right, let's talk about the dad's journey on this film because it is the worst idea ever. He's on a boat with his friend and his friend's like, I just drop you off on the other side of the lake and you won't be able to use your credit cards and all this stuff. And dad's like, sure, that sounds like a great idea. I'm like, where is he walking to? He doesn't have any clothes. He doesn't have his cell phone. And he's just like going off into the wilderness. Yeah. To- <laughs> he just starts, he starts like running through the woods. And I just expect him to be like, Charlie, Charlie, are you here? <laughs> uh, okay. So he goes to this bar, right? And at the bar, he's asking how far is whatever town? And someone says, oh, it's pretty far. It's three to four hours away. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's not that far, but it's whatever. It's not it's not a quick trip, but yeah. it, it's far enough that, yeah, it'd be hard to convince a stranger to do it. He he meets Irock, convinces Irock to do it, and they, like, stop at Irock's place, and Irock has to get all this, like, gear. And I'm like, this is for a three- to four-hour drive? This is eight <laughs> hours round trip total for, for her? Like, what? It, like, th- it's like... Nothing at that point is projected that it's going to be like a big road trip between the two of them. Yeah. It's just, I'm trying to get a ride four hours north from here. And I'll, and she's like, I got to pack this and I got to get the antenna and like all these things. And and he and he's like going to sleep in the van. And I'm like, it's a fucking yeah, four hour drive. <laughs> like it's four hours. That's half of a work day. Why, why is this treated like some big road trip? And then it turns into one. But it's never explicitly stated, like, I'm contracting you to drive me around the country right yeah. now. And it was just such a weird thing. And so, yeah, so that skewed the timing as well. Because, like, okay, he has to do this fucking four-hour drive. And he's zip, and Charlie's zipping all over the country. And he's in Minneapolis. Now he's in Florida. Yeah. And, he's in, and you're just like, what is going <laughs> yeah. on right now? And then, and then uh, speaking of ham-fisted, just, like, they show up to that, like, whatever random college student's house. Who I did think was funny. Uh, he answers the door going, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, did the previous tenant leave anything? And I'm like, why the fuck? Like, maybe there's some mail hanger. Oh, just happens to have written the phone number yeah. of the place of the woman where he's going to be staying on the fucking wall. And I was yeah. like, just behind a post. Oh, no, no, nothing except this phone number <laughs> written on the wall. It's yeah. Like, what? Yeah, that they that they do it. The ver- that's like the first shot of the movie, when the first shot of the movie they're, they're talking on the phone and he says like write down this number and yeah, and she writes yeah. down the number, but it's just like oh my god, yeah, it's it's very silly. It's like come on, why wouldn't he just paint over that? Yeah, <laughs> now I'm just gonna put a poster up on it. Yeah. Like, um, uh, it's so just like, ugh, come and then on. the fact that they happen to. They happen to intersect paths at the same exact time. It's it's very coincidental. Yeah. But I suppose I can suspend my belief about that. Yeah. 
yeah, for the sake of the film. Uh, can I change the subject? Yeah. Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> uh, how did you... So you had, you had teased this, that Charlie represents one form of activism, and then the movie also portrays more extreme forms and less extreme forms. Yeah. The less extreme forms being the like the welfareist, the person trying to go to the big food, fast food corporations and getting better welfare standards for the animals. I didn't know how I was supposed to feel about... I wasn't sure if they were just portraying that person just to say this is another viewpoint or if they were trying to portray that character with the added... And this is just as effective. This is less effective. This is meaningless. I wasn't sure what the tone of the movie was getting at with her character. I took that as people are going to watch the film and go, well, what about the legal route? And then they're showing what the legal route is and how it's ineffective begging for crumbs from these giant corporations that don't give a shit. And so, yeah, that's portrayed by the Humane Organization of North America. Very <laughs> definitely not a HSUS, <laughs> right? And um, I mean, just because of even the things when when the representative, I forget her name, but she's like asking for things, and she's like this and this, and then the final one, it's just more of a a preference. A pre- she says a, a fairly non-binding preference statement for like controlled atmosphere killing. Just like I think, like that's sort of a exaggerated version of what they would actually ask for just to say like this is how ridiculous asking for these things are and it does point to a lot of the problems we talk about with these issues oh it's in five years from now you can release a preference statement saying you hope that your farmers do this instead of not and how it's just like it's such a uh uneffective form of activism but you know the, the in like one of the next scenes after that when she they they're having a dinner for her because she she was being celebrated with for the world's shittiest party pooper. <laughs> yeah. no, no, so this is what I mean is that there's a guy that that represents um, like liberation versus welfareism, and he's just like a real dick. And so the, to me that was the movie being like, oh well, these people can the, the people who we're supposed to be rooting for in the movie that they're also kind of assholes. Who goes to a dinner party specifically to celebrate a particular achievement, which is what it was. They're all like, we're here to celebrate the mm-hmm. thing she did. And then as soon as it's like ah, toast to the person and then immediately is like, that <laughs> fucking does bullshit. I was like, I, even though I generally kind of agree, <laughs> what a fucking dick. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. such, like who does that? Who like waits for that moment to bring it up? And yeah, I, I mean, I wonder if the filmmakers were like, ha, we're going to like cut her down and like show how it's such bullshit. But it definitely comes across as just like a mean dude. And I feel like it keeps flashing back to her and she's like, looks like she's about to cry. Yeah. And I feel like you're supposed to feel sympathetic towards her and yeah. and vis-a-vis sympathetic towards her cause. Yeah. So I, I wasn't I wasn't exactly sure what they were trying to get at with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does it does make me kind of question the point of view because of the film because otherwise, I feel like everything else involving her is supposed to kind of be like look how ineffective this is. Well, what about the end? The last like the last scene of the movie. Yeah, I I honestly don't really know about the end of this film. So, if you haven't seen it, she the same character 
goes in to visit Charlie's dad, who has been on this whole journey with his son, sort of. Sort of. And you find out is the CEO of a fast food company. So she goes in to give him the same pitch that she's giving all these other companies about improving welfare standards. And he's kind of, and, and what he, he starts questioning her, like, what do you, what do you really want? Like, I want, she's like, I want you to challenge me. What do you really want? And she says, like, I want you to not exist. Basically. I think that's what she said. I want you to stop. Yeah. I want you to stop. And, and then he says he's going to quit his job, which, what would that actually do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know why it didn't, he didn't say like, I'm going to make all these sweeping changes that you're, I'm going to do everything that you say I'm going to do. And then I'm going to quit my job. Yeah. So I don't, I, I, but, but again, I don't get what her character was supposed to represent at that point. I, I think it was saying that all these welfare activists, they also want people to be vegan. They're just, they're going about it a different way. And again, that made me feel sympathy for her and, and thinking like, oh, we're not, we are, we do have the same ultimate goal. Yeah. We just have different ways that we think are effective about going about it. So again, I felt like that was, I was supposed to feel sympathetic towards that character. I didn't really get that whole exchange. I didn't get what the dad was kind of doing at the end, but just quitting. Yeah. It didn't seem like an effective thing. Like, yeah, he could have said, I'm going to make all these changes and then some, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy this company from the inside out. I'm going to add all these vegan options to the yeah. menu. There's so many things that you feel like he could have done. I mean, he says this company won't let me do anything. Like they'll, they'll eat me up, but it's like, you're the CEO or is he actually the CEO or is that just an IMD plot synopsis? I think he's the CEO. Yeah. I yeah. feel like he'd have a bigger office. He, got, he had like those wind, like glass, Walls, like. <laughs> windows. <laughs> no, like <laughs> it's called windows fall. <laughs> like instead of instead of instead of walls, it was like all clear. You yeah, know? Like, like a, a window. <laughs> <laughs> Glass walls. <laughs> what will they think of next? <laughs> but yeah, can we talk about can we talk about the dad? Yes, I, I do want to come back. Let's let's talk about the ending while we're while we're on it right now. We spend this whole time, most of the film, I would say at least sixty percent is with Charlie, 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 right, and then thirty percent is with the dad, and then maybe ten percent is with this welfare activist. And it felt really weird for like the big final catharsis of this film to be with this welfare activist that we spent barely any time with. And with the dad. And no Charlie. No Charlie. And like they don't even show him. Like I, the implication is that he's an enemy combatant under the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act. He can be put in these uh, CMUs, the communication management units, which are like where activists like I'm trying to think. I don't want to say names. That I don't know for sure. We're putting <laughs> these. But a lot of the people that do get arrested and like prosecuted for these uh, liberation activities will get put in these CMUs where their communication is like highly monitored. They are put far away from all their friends and family. And it's like this real horrible thing. So they're, I guess they're kind of implying that that is what's happening to him. And, and that I guess is the catalyst for the dad finally changing. I guess. I I, I mean, I think the thing with the dad is kind of this, 
you can have an argument with someone and they might not admit they're wrong on the spot or that you have a point on the spot, but afterwards they'll let it simmer. And that's kind of what happened for the dad. And he has this whole stack of animal liberation books and the John Robbins book. And uh, was it like terrorist or freedom fighter, that whole collection of essays on animal liberationists. And, but yeah, it's weird that we don't see what happens to Charlie. Mm -hmm. We see that he gets arrested, I guess, but we don't see him like locked up in some cell. Maybe they just didn't have the budget for that, but and so it's like the dad can't find his son. He's in some CMU somewhere. But it, it feels really weird to not have some resolution to that storyline. Like, yeah. they show a bunch of the, all the 35 actions all around the country did happen. And a bunch of people got brought in for questioning. And they're really giving it to the FBI. Yeah. I love I love how when they're interrogating Carl. And because at the end, um, Charlie, <clears throat> when the FBI or the police come in. And they're like, put your get on the ground, put your hands up. Uh, Charlie takes a knife and puts it to Carl's throat and whispers in his ear, like, you have to be free. Yeah. And then when Carl, when Carl's getting interrogated, the FBI guy goes, what did he say to you then? And, and Carl's like, he said to me that if I said anything, he knows, he knows where my grandma lives and he would contact <laughs> my grandma. And I was like... He said four words. He, he also <laughs> held the knife to his throat for like three seconds and was like, hostage? No, okay. All yeah. right. Just <laughs> yeah. like, just so quick that nothing about that would effectively convey that he was trying to take a hostage and yeah. that Carl wasn't on their side. Yeah. Yeah. But so I thought that that was kind of silly. But yeah, they were definitely, I feel like, being a little too jovial in those, uh, those FBI interrogation. Yeah. Be- because the saying is nobody talks, everybody walks. And they're talking, and I get that they're just, like, bullshitting and, like, messing with the FBI, but you're supposed to just shut the hell up and just be like, lawyer, lawyer, lawyer. I invoke my Fifth Amendment right to not speak, lawyer. You know, not not that. I get that that doesn't make for as good of a film, yeah. you know, but, but yeah, to me, the ending just didn't pull everything together in a way that I wanted it to. And I, you know, the father does sort of go on this journey, so it is kind of nice to see that he finally makes this change at the end. But it just, it didn't feel like everything was resolved. I don't need everything tied up in a nice bow, but it just, it kind of made me be like, oh, what is this film really saying? What does it really want? What what was the point of spending all this time with Charlie? This guy we spent most of the time with, is he actually, he's just there as a catalyst for his father's change. And like the actions are doing are not the main focus of the film. Hmm. I also felt like the dad made some strange choices at the end of the movie because he's, it's, so the dad goes to this this intentional community <laughs> they intend to live together <laughs> and, and it seems like he's he he's doing farming and i feel like that's supposed to be symbolic of him getting it yeah. like he's like oh look at the dad's the dad's touching manure now so he gets he gets how his son feels yeah and then when he finally sees his son i feel like he he is very he's it's like sympathetic he's like He's like, I'll, I'll help you escape. I'll, I'll do all these things. Like, he's tr- kind of trying to help him yeah. in a way that's not. You need to turn yourself in, which is what I feel like his the beginning of the movie dad would have said. Mm-hmm. But now he's kind of like, I, I just want you to be okay, blah blah. And Charlie's kind of an asshole to him back, which is one makes him a whiny baby, but also such a poor strategic choice. Like you're on the eve of all these big actions happening. 
And like, wouldn't you think that he would want to kind of like buddy up with his dad and be like, you know, you can't help me escape, but tomorrow after we do the thing, yeah, it just it felt like like a really poor choice. Like, why go like, dad? But, but but what was the dad's thinking by then? Since Charlie was not going to escape with him, what was the dad's thinking? Like, well, if I can't help my son escape, then I'm just gonna turn him in. What was the rationale besides behind that decision? I don't know. Like, what was he thinking? Like, trying to protect him from himself? Like, it's not It's not like... I mean, I guess he was like, if he gets caught now, it Before won't be as bad as if he does it afterwards. But he's still organized. Like, like, I think at one point, don't they say that sounds like conspiracy or racketeering? Something like that. That it's like an upcharge on what he was doing. Like, he organized all this stuff. Yeah. So... It's not like it's going to be like a slap on the wrist, like, okay, we got you before you set something on fire. But is that what the dad thought was going to happen? The dad, who at one point had 17 lawyers around him, thought that that was the best move to do? Very dryly explaining the Analytical <laughs> Terrorism Act. And like, it's weird that this, because the KKK is not even on the list. And it's like, the those lawyers were, wouldn't. Those were real lawyers, though, I think. One of them definitely was. I'm not sure about the others, but yeah, I recognized I, I Shannon looked, Keith, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, that was one of them. Because that was some of the people in the credits that were was like himself and herself. Yeah. So that was kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like fun to like spot the activist in the film. So yeah. like I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I imagine that if I was as involved in the movement now as I was. Uh, I imagine if I was as involved back then as I am now, it probably would have been a lot more fun because I imagine there's a lot of people that have dropped out of the scene or aren't as prevalent anymore that I just didn't recognize. Yeah, like I feel like all the. When they're going from city to city recruiting people, I feel like all those people are either famous people or activists or like the director's nephew or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> it just. It was a weird character arc like I like I thought that it was going to go in a different direction than it actually did and it just it seemed unrealistic to me for him to go from one minute I'm going to help you escape to Mexico to the next minute I'm going to turn you into the FBI yeah yeah it definitely seemed weird part of me also expected Carl to like turn at the last minute and like yep. chicken out or something like that or be know. like an inside man for the the egg industry or something like that yeah because so Sonia which I believe is her name her character questions whether or not it was a br- good idea to bring on Carl there's another activist that they meet that questions whether it's a good idea to bring on Carl but then that never that never leads to any consequence <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it was was it in the barber shop where the guy's like who well, there's the f- three people so that's right? three of them who the fuck yeah. is this but they've already been openly discussing their plans in front of him already. And, and these random clients, too. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's such a... <sighs> Carl. I so, wish I didn't like Carl so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe that's why they kept him around. They liked him. He was a likable guy. They saw that he was in a tough place, and they've, they've liberated him. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. I, I did like his... I enjoyed him being in the movie, but I just don't like what they did with his character necessarily. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, back on that, the topic of security culture, then they do talk with the one activist that really kind of hammers home those things. So that activist did bring up some interesting points. Uh, where he said, uh, if it gets media attention, they won't care about the why, they'll only care about the how, and it will be distorted, which is true. That is always the focus. It's not like, well, why did they do these things? And it was kind of interesting because that felt like it was actually an interesting, an insightful critique of these type of direct actions. Mm-hmm. 
but I guess maybe that comes to the point of is the point just freeing these animals or is it making a big statement that is going to get passed around? Maybe the, the media coverage is secondary to that whole thing. But I did like that someone was kind of voicing these concerns. And, and I believe that was the guy that also called Charlie on his shit and was like, you think it's good to be the guy that knows everyone and is connected to everything, but that's not good. Like you don't want to be that guy. And you're too publicly visible to be the person that's doing all of this stuff the person the people that organize these things aren't also the people that are giving podcast interviews and giving speeches at events until after they get caught you know (laughs) and so like that was smart i guess and but is that to, to the point where you saying was this movie trying to say there also needs to or was this movie also trying to push that people need to know why like that's just as important as actually liberating the animals is that people understand why they liberate the animals. Was that the point of Carl's character then? And is that why Charlie kind of says that thing at the end is like, you have to, you have to do the, basically is he saying like, you have to be the person that does this. Cause that, yes. that is what he ends up doing. He's on, he's being interviewed at the end of the move at, at the newscast and he's being interviewed and he's kind of giving that exposition about the horrors of the, yeah. the animal industry. Yeah, I mean, that is the only time when you're like, okay, Carl actually serves a legitimate purpose with the story. He's not just being a fun guy. He's not just there to be a fun guy, to be a big old mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> and and to be, again, that exposition machine. So, so it's like, okay, I, I get why he's here now, but it's hard to imagine that that was like their plan all along. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So, but it's like, okay, I guess he his puzzle piece finally fell into place. Yeah, because their plan wasn't to get caught. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess it was kind of like his quick thinking on the spot. Like, oh, okay, if we're going to get caught, we need this guy to, you know. But it was like, all right, that's really fast thinking on Charlie's part. Charlie. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost felt like the character of Charlie and how Charlie was portrayed... I don't know if I don't know if this is giving the film too much credit, but part of me is wondering if the reason Charlie was so unlikable and kind of portrayed as this sort of privileged kind of whiny guy, self-important kind of guy is because that's often who the the type of direct action animal liberation rhetoric and imagery appeals to. And and is it a critique on that? I don't think it is at all. I don't think the film's that meta. I don't think it is at all, but I guess that's like another reason why this whole thing annoyed me was because of like that whole aspect. Yeah. I don't know if I have anything to add to that, but (laughs) no, but I can, I, I understand what you're saying though. Yeah. The film was very white. Yes. Certainly very white. The only time you really encounter any characters of color, they're just sort of these, plot devices these pawn pieces there to further the white man's journey so i think that was something that could have been you know like all the activists are these like young able-bodied like white folks and i feel like that's something that's not that... true there's the one there's the one woman that's the yes one person like but she's not one of the main characters but i mean you are you talking about like the three main characters yeah okay okay i mean the... i concede like I feel like most of the people that are encountered are all of the same yeah. demographic, and again, it represents a very specific view of what this type of liberation looks like. Actually, though, counterpoint, I feel like they were specifically trying to go against what you're saying. They were trying to prove that it can appeal to anyone when they're traveling from city to city, and you're kind of seeing all the different types of people that they're 
that they're meeting up with. Like there's the, the hippie woman, old, older woman in the Buddhist. And she's like, our spiritual warriors are ready or whatever. <laughs> and then there's the cheerleader, you yeah. know, the popular cheerleader. So I feel like, and then the weird surfer professor who like, <laughs> never like they make a whole scene out of that. And then he never, who is uh, Chris DeRose from last chance for animals. Okay. Yeah. Who, who actually, when I was doing research to be like, all right, who actually is vegan? He's someone that I actually recognized, but I found out that he used to be an actor, so it worked oh, out nicely for yeah, him. Yeah, but so I, I think that they were they were attempting in that scene. It was some of some of the the people that they chose were it was so over exaggerated that they were trying to say anyone can anyone can do this. Yes, but you just can't get a main role in a film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but right? they're, they're all being like used by the main protagonists. Yeah, no, no, I, I completely understand what you're saying, but I do think they put an effort into getting, they were trying to get a message across that, like. It feels like token representation to me. Okay. That token cheerleader. <laughs> the old token cheerleader. Yeah. No, I, I, I still agree with your saying, but I think that that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. Well, Paul, we've we've been uh, I don't know if we've been avoiding this, but we haven't talked about it yet. Let's talk about the feral child. All right. How'd you feel about that? Uh, unexpected. I I think until so for the for the people for anyone that didn't listen for anyone that didn't watch this movie, Charlie meets up in another weird time hop. Charlie meets up with um it's the same character that was in the very first shot, right? Yes. It's like the a one former that's like, love. Why don't interest you challenge yourself? To, would you do so would you break the law with me, that person? Yeah. So he meets in his in his some one some journeys, he meets up he meets back up with this this character who he was formerly partners with, question mark. Who knows? But and and you find out that she and her current partner are they had kidnapped a like the the CEO or some like the head of some slaughterhouse or some an, animal agricultural business and were essentially torturing him in their basement. And I did not expect that. I did not see that coming. And what was your original question? <laughs> I just like what did you think of that plot device? So I'm trying to think about why the movie include that is it is it trying is the movie trying to say because it, it definitely painted them in an unfavorable light you are not supposed to sympathize for these people doing doing these things but was it maybe the movie was trying to say look people are calling us extreme but there is there like it could be worse we we don't want to hurt because a few times charlie does say like we don't hurt people we only we only damaged property so i think it was maybe trying to nail that point home that a lot of people non-vegans who would see this as extreme they're trying to get a point across that that we're just damaging property and and we're not hurting people and this is what it could be and that's not what we're doing and that's bad what they're doing i would guess that that's why they included that in the movie yeah i think it was mainly to say look how extreme this could actually be and look how tame we are so it is trying to present this spectrum. And because of that, I think that's why it's saying direct action is really important and one of the most effective forms of activism. Because it's like, look at this ineffective begging for small incremental, maybe potential statement of favorability from these corporations. And look at these people that actually want to torture people. 
and we're just here in the middle. All we're doing is destroying property and freeing some animals. And that's all, that's all we're doing. And so I think that that's kind of why it's there, just to say. Because otherwise, it the film would allow itself to paint itself into a corner of having this dichotomy of, well, you have to do this welfare stuff or you have to do this liberation mm-hmm. stuff. And say, like, no, there's other things. It would be interesting to have seen them encounter someone that was like a vegan outreach leafleter yeah, or something yeah. and, and debating the finer points of those two things mm-hmm. and maybe even having to be like, yeah, I'm glad that you're out there trying to make new vegans while we all go save, you know, whatever it might've been. So I don't know. I, like, I guess it feels like a lot of the conversations didn't, despite the film showing several points of view, it feels like it is a missed opportunity to have a more nuanced conversation on those things. I feel like they didn't use the word vegan too much. No, but but the website on their website it's very like you have to go vegan. Like, what can I do? The tab is like the best thing you can do is to go vegan, like right away. Yeah. So, and was there a little message at the end of the film? I think so. Yeah. There was. Well, I there, remember what it there, says. There, I mean, they were saying the ten billion animals yeah. and all that, but. Um, yeah. So the the feral child thing, it was definitely uncomfortable. Yeah. I get why they put it in the movie. It was not. They didn't drag that kind of plot line out. I didn't think it was maybe ten minutes. Yeah. They drag they more drag out the relationship between Charlie and that former character, which doesn't really lead to anything because I guess it's just trying to say he is still close to this character, but that he still goes against what she wants to do. Yeah. But there wasn't really a point. The the, the it was maybe if I don't remember exactly how long it was, but if that scene the whole scene where the, he goes back to that cabin or whatever it was, that whole scene was 10 minutes, let's just say. Their relationship, like developing those two characters' relationship with each other, Charlie and the other woman, was maybe seven minutes. And then the actual guy being tortured was three minutes. But then neither of those things, like the, the, that relationship never comes back up again at all in yeah. the movie. So it was like, why did they just develop this relationship more? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, Paul. <laughs> Really made me uncomfortable watching it in Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> like the nudity and then the guy that's like bound up with a ball gag. And yeah. There's like animal cruelty footage. And I was just like, I kept like half closing my laptop and hoping that. Which looks even sketchier. Yeah, just like half closing it and like looking around. Yeah, I, I forgot that there was just like straight up full frontal yep. of several genders in the film. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh. Uh, dong. Some dong, straight up dong Which in this is good. film. You don't see that in a lot of equal representation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely not not a not a Whole Foods watch for sure. <laughs> do you think that the inclusion of that limits the potential audience of the film, or do you feel like anyone that's seeing the film would the dong or feral child? <laughs> <laughs> the I, I guess like the nudity and like the adult like themes, or do you feel like anyone that's watching this film that would they need to be of an age where they could grasp these concepts anyway and it doesn't matter. They're probably already seeing nudity in films. Uh, it certainly wasn't necessary. I didn't think there was... It didn't really add anything to the movie. So if it doesn't add anything, why make it potentially more exclusive? Yeah. that I remember the um, there's that documentary, The Smartest Guys in the Room, all about Enron. And that has like... There's some random aside about how the Enron CEOs would go to strip clubs and go back to their wives in order to cover up the perfume on them. They'd spill a little gasoline on their shoes or whatever. And they show like naked strippers in the film. I'm like, 
why why is this in here like who is this Uh, why what does this add why do you have to even show the nudity i feel like especially with that film i was like (laughs) you're really limiting where this film can be shown because of this one shot that adds nothing to the film and i felt like that same way and i'm not nothing wrong with nudity folks i'm all about it like seeing a nice (laughs) naked body whatever but but it just feels it felt very out of place yeah in this film like what would it add sex appeal <laughs> i don't know it, it felt really silly so well I, I think those are all kind of the notes i have but i do want to wrap it up by asking again like who is this for do you have any any thoughts how can and how can this film be implemented or should it be implemented i think that a lot of vegan activists that are into this type of activism would go and see this movie Anyways, just because how many movies like this are there? Just like every vegan, you know, went to go see Oakjaw, even though that might not be the typical type of movie that you would go see. But they went to go see it in Netflix. In Netflix. <laughs> but I don't think that that's who it was for. I think that it was made for non-vegans to understand why someone would would do these sorts of actions and to and to try and portray them in a different light than just. The what I feel like I mentioned this before is a baseline negative opinion that most people have about these sorts of actions. Yeah, yeah, I have two insights into that. The first is on my drive yesterday, I actually listened to an interview with uh, the director, a producer, and the actress who played Iraq, who is actually like very vegan and cool. super into being vegan. And from what I could tell, they they a lot most of the people involved were vegan or vegetarian i don't know about mr mantooth but (laughs) anyway they said that one of the like the main purpose of the film was to give people a window and insight into that world and give them to understand why someone would risk everything to liberate these animals Mm -hmm. i mind my memory bank when i went and saw this screening of the film with one of the producers and a few people on a panel i asked that specific question back then in preparation for this podcast (laughs) yeah and if I remember correctly, and I might be paraphrasing a little bit, but the producer, <laughs> the producer said, said, fuck you, Andy. <laughs> fuck off. The producer said, we are the beard vegans. <laughs> <laughs> Episode ends right there. <laughs> I believe that the producer said that it was kind of a love letter to the animal rights movement. And I think that there is a lot in that film that is kind of a nod to all those things. It has all these activists in it. It shows these debates. It shows, generally speaking animal liberation in a very favorable light and it shows the welfare side of things in a fairly unfavorable light Mm -hmm. and so i so i get that that this could just be a thing by vegans for vegans but then the fact that they show all this actual footage and they have all this very dry exposition about what happens to animals that makes me go okay yes this is an educational tool to get someone to learn about these particular issues like not even the liberation aspect of it but sort of the entry level Mm -hmm. this is why eggs and milk and, and whatnot are bad and it so to me it feels kind of confused maybe it can be all of those things all at once it doesn't have to be one specific thing but it feels like it's not enough of one or the other to like truly be effective and to feel like i could really recommend it to someone other than as i said earlier in the episode just sort of that curiosity of what is this animal rights film we don't get a lot of narrative films that deal with veganism let alone actual animal liberation which is a subject that to me is really fascinating Mm -hmm. you know what motivates people to do this how do they pull it off do they get caught 
all that stuff is something that I'm always like interested in reading books about that kind of thing and watching documentaries. But I feel like it didn't it didn't do enough of one or the other to really hammer it home. So we we had a lot of nitpicks about it. We picked a lot of nits. But do you think that which is what we do, we're highly critical of things. Do you think that non a non vegan would watch this and do you think that they could come away with a less favorable opinion about veganism or this these sorts of actions? Or do you think that in general the movie would hopefully either the person would stay where they are or it would push them a little bit forward? Yeah, I I guess it'd be hard for me to think that it would have a really detrimental effect, even though Charlie is again fairly unlikable as a person. Yeah, like even even though he's an unlikable person, maybe most people would be able to separate that character from the movement in general, or only because ninety percent of the characters in the movie are all vegan activists. So you you get a, a you get not a highly diverse representation, but you get different people. So it's not, he's, he's not the sole representation of veganism. But, but I think a lot of people do think that that is the poster boy for veganism. Yeah. So maybe it would reaffirm their opinions then. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I had, you know, I'm just realizing right now is that IROC, we're not supposed to believe that IROC is vegan or vegetarian, right? There would be no reason. I don't think she gives any inclination about that she is or is not. Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting that her the actress is, though. Yeah, I guess just the whole time I was thinking that she is also, because it's a fish-out-of-water story, not vegan, <laughs> with with uh, the dad. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of pictured Irock as being like his entry into this world and shepherding him along, but that's not actually the case at all. She's just like a weirdo. Yeah. And she just kind of like fits in with these other alternative people, you know? Yeah. Well, all right. I think that's all I have to say about this film, Paul. I I definitely, I'm glad that I saw it again. So now I know. I know I have a few friends that like really love this film and highly praise it. And now I can be like, you're wrong. (laughs) No, it's, it's a totally, it's a totally watchable film. (laughs) <laughs> my eyes don't bleed when I try and see it and if this sounds like something for some reason you made it all the way through and it sounds like something that you're curious about I'd say give it a watch I don't think it's free you, I don't it's free boldnative.com and I don't think you'll regret it I think it's a, a relatively well-made film uh, a, certainly a good exercise in, in ultra low budget filmmaking and it is it's a fun watch mm-hmm. it's a it's like a, a nice curiosity if if there was 10 films like this like there's 10 versions of Forks Over Knives at this point I'd be like eh whatever but because it is such a unique thing at this point in our movement worth a watch yeah don't watch it in Whole Foods though yeah so that was the first of our retro film movie reviews that was fun Andy next week we're going to be doing If a Tree Falls which we believe is also available on YouTube yeah YouTube for free and that is also a film about direct action although it's about the Earth Liberation Front and, and activists involved with that so we thought it would be fun to kind of juxtapose this narrative film versus a documentary that covers similar subject matter. So, mm-hmm. yeah, be sure to give that a watch before you listen to the episode. Or don't. And even though these are all pre-recorded in advance, we definitely want to know what what older films, and that could just be something that came out three years ago, anything prior to the podcast existing, 
let us know what films you want us to do because I'm sure we'll be doing this again. Hopefully every year we can do this for, yeah. our, for our little winter break. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's plenty of films that aren't slated to be reviewed this time. So send us an email, uh, thebeardvegans at gmail.com. And you can just let us know what you thought of the review. Are we wrong? Did you love this <laughs> film? Did you give it five stars on Amazon? <laughs> Are you that one person? <laughs> so yeah, let us know. Cool. So even though I am happy that the film didn't just portray two types of activism, they did get that the third branch in there of like the way more extreme stuff. But again, I, I wish that they kind of explored the vegan education aspect of mm-hmm. it. That'd be like a fourth type. Off the top of my head, there's a fifth type that they also didn't explore. It would been really interesting to see them have like a conversation about the virtues of including this in your activism or not. I know it's like a hot button, hot button <laughs> issue. It's not a black or white issue for sure. There's a lot of gray areas in this one, but it would have been interesting if they addressed the form of activism where you just go outside and scream at the heavens the following seven words. We are the Bearded Vegans, signing off. They're just uh, flouncing. What am I trying to say? They're, uh, what's the word for like? Uh, <laughs> uh, Can I think of this? Floundering? No. They're just like. Prancing? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> that activist did bring up some interesting points. He said, uh, <clears throat> that activist. Br- <laughs> Charlie, I wrote down, poor man, Zach Braff. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. You definitely, like, you're like, uh, this guy definitely got turned down for that role on Scrubs. (laughs) And now he's in this film.